Hello, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Dan K Show presents. This is the big one. Well, the first in a set of big ones. Every 50 episodes is tradition on an audio podcast to do a little celebration, do a little retrospection to to look at what's come and what is yet to arrive. We've got two very special guests on the show this week. But before we get to that, it's time to introduce a man so known for coining the phrase, the double dip, that even now at this very moment while recording this podcast, he is double dipping his work responsibilities, taking a break from one job to come onto this podcast. It's the busiest man in sports. It's Dan Kay. Dan, welcome to the show. I mean, technically, it's all the same job at this point, right? It's just in different avenues and different worlds. But uh, we're, we're making it all work, Lucas, you know, and I, I think I think we're both pretty busy, you know, on a daily basis. But you know why we're busy? Because we're behind the scenes taking this thing all to the next level. And I want parents to know the importance of today's episode. I, I need you all to listen. Any parent or player within the youth world of hockey, whether it be midget, whether it be might, whether it be squirts, whether it be banter, wherever you're at right now, I want you to stop and I want you to take some time to listen today. We've got Bob Mainhart, Deputy Commissioner of the USPHL. We've got Jim Hunt, who has been an absolute advocate and leader for the youth programs in the USPHL for years since this thing got underway. And he's been an advocate for the game of hockey. Someone we, someone near and dear to our hearts. Both of these guys, Lucas, incredible to talk to with so much information to provide these families that have the task of navigating the hockey world ahead of them. Just how important do you think today's conversation is? I mean, I think it's going to be incredibly important. You're, you're talking to the two people in the USPHL who are most prepared to talk about the youth game. You've got Jim Hunt, who's been a Titan in the game for, for many years and has that perspective. And Bob Mainhart, who is an absolute power player, who is so locked in with the future of the USPHL and the youth game that, you know, there are a lot of questions that people have, especially first time hockey parents. That's yep. I think a market that, that struggles or, or, or that, that has struggles. First time, anything is always a struggle, right? But with, with the hockey world opening back up, with all these choices out there, with all this information, and with so much potentially riding on the line, you know, I, I can't imagine being in that situation as a first-time hockey parent. But hopefully today's discussion will take a little bit of stress off your shoulders and remind you that there are a lot of ways to get things done and hopefully give you some good advice along the way. And there are not just a lot of ways to get things done. There are a lot of ways to succeed. And, and it's something that, Lucas, I know I... I had to drill into your head when you first started golfing, right? The idea of what's an accomplishment, right? I might be on the golf course. I might, when you first started your first year golfing, we might get on the golf course and I might shoot an 80 and I might be miserable. You might shoot a 110 and you might be ecstatic, right? But it goes beyond even the score. You might hit a ground ball near home hole in one on a hundred yard par three with a driver, your first ever day in the golf course. But I tried to explain to you, not other than me being jealous, that you almost had a hole-in-one in your first ever day out. But that's not the accomplishment, right? The ball wasn't hit correctly. It's not the distance you should be carrying. Eventually, you'll see what success is. And that's what we look at with this junior hockey world, with this, with this youth hockey world. It's too often we look in someone else's bowl to see if they have more than us right? Or to see what they're eating or to see how they've put their meal together. 
what we have to remember is our hockey journeys are our hockey journeys and our success needs to be defined by who we are as a young athlete. We can't look at NCAA division one, when we're a 10 year old, right? We can't look at the NHL at almost any time. We need to be looking at the, the activity in front of us for that day. We need to be, especially at the youth level, ensuring that we're having fun, that we're having a healthy experience, that we're having a good time. And I think that's something that that's driven home today by our two guests, Lucas. I mean, it's, it's just so important to have balance, to have, to have an understanding of just what it takes to succeed in this game. And I think we're about to lay the groundwork for these fans. Absolutely. So, you know, everybody take a second, you're going to hear a quick break and then coming back in from the break is going to be us again, but this time with some of the best youth hockey minds in the business, Jim Hunt and Bob Mainhart. What if you could naturally improve your sleep and fight snoring just by drinking water? Introducing Remastered Sleep, the first water bottle designed to fight snoring and provide a natural way to better sleep. This is not just an advertisement. This is a personal recommendation. I was part of the study trial and began to feel the benefits in just a few weeks. I continue to use Remastered Sleep to help me get restful sleep even on long road trips. Head to RemasteredSleep.com to find out more information and use the code DANKSHOW10 to get 10% off your purchase. Remastered Sleep, aspiring to make healthy easy. Hockey fans, welcome in to the Dan K Show's 50th Junior Hockey. And this year, we, we've already laid the groundwork. We've, we've laid that little pathway for you of where this show is heading. Our goal when we launched this episode, when we launched this show, when we, when we created this new product, was to educate, to inform, and to assist all of our hockey families, all of our parents, our players, our guardians, our coaches in navigating this crazy hockey world from cradle to college. And no league, no league in the country does it better than the USPHL taking our young players from the youth ranks all the way through to the tier two NCDC level and off to their collegiate dreams. And even in some cases, their chill dreams, their NHL futures. With that, Deputy Commissioner of the USPHL, Mr. Bob Mainhart. Bob, how are you doing today? Doing great, Dan. Thanks so much uh, for having me on today. Joining Bob, joining the Dan K Show, this is one of our favorites of all time. And, and you know, I say this only to not upset anybody. He may be at the top of Dan K Mount Rushmore here. He's a businessman. He's a hockey genius. He's a Deneen Cup champion. He's a Founders Cup champion. You walk around the rings that this man calls home, and you're going to trip over a championship banner on every other step. It is Jim Hunt of the Jersey Hitmen. Jim, I know this youth product in the USPHL is near and dear to your heart. How are you doing today? How excited are you to talk about this amazing brand? Hey, hi, guys. Thank you very much for having me. I look forward to the conversation. It is going to be exciting. And we start, you know, I, I want to start with, with you, Jim. We talked a little off air about just the educational side of it, educating the parents and players at home, thinking about playing opportunities, thinking about how do I navigate this youth hockey 
world, can you kind of lay the groundwork of just what the USPHL looks like in those youth ranks and inform the folks on kind of how you move up that ladder? Sure. It, it's, it, it's all about trying to find the right fit. And, and that's true, I think, at, at uh, NCDC level, and it's equally as true at the, the squirt level. Um, every family, every player, uh, they all have a different, uh, a different want and a different need by being involved in the game. And uh, the USPHL works very hard at trying to provide opportunities to meet all those needs and all those wants. So whether it's a, 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 a high-end Division One potential player or it's a squirt or peewee trying to stay at Tier 1 level or if he's at the Tier 2 level wanting to have as much of a development experience as he can possibly have, uh, we want to offer something to every one of those players. And now as we go through this, I mean, this offseason, Bob, I have not heard a bad thing about you yet. And I've loved our opportunity to get to meet you, to talk to you behind the scenes here and just see the work going in to this youth product and really driving it to a new, even more professional level in the way it's put together, in the way it's run and operated. Can you let the folks at home kind of in on what's going on behind the scenes right now? What work do you have in front of you as you get prepared for this new 2021-2022 campaign? Well, we've got a lot of a lot of work, and there's uh, there's always a lot of work to be done, especially when uh, when you're you're working on a labor of love like hockey. And, and I'm fortunate enough to uh, to spend my time and days uh, working on. But one of the things, and, and Jim really hit on it, is and it's something that we're doing a little bit different, I think, than a lot of the other hockey cultures and a lot of the other leagues, and that is recognizing that different players need different things and that different players have different things in, that are important to them and, and their families. And what we've found in a lot of the other leagues, both at the youth and the junior level, is an attempt to create uh, a product that, for lack of a better term, is, is almost a, a cookie cutter where every uh, team is operating and teaching the same things. And while that is kind of a, a newer philosophy for a lot of programs, and I think a lot of sports around the country, what we're recognizing is we're, we're really respecting and recognizing the difference in our organizations. And knowing that for a parent, that having different opportunities to, to choose is very good for these kids and, and, and their opportunities in the future. And that there isn't a, a one size fits all. And, and we think, we can provide a one-size-fits-all league by providing unique and different training philosophies and, and mentalities, really embracing those and making sure that we're very tight in our business operations and our off-ice operations and the fluidity with which our events run and, and that we're cohesive partners off of the ice, all pulling in the, the direction for these kids but knowing we're going to compete like heck and we're going to argue our philosophies off the ice, uh, you know, to, to make sure that we're proving that our philosophy and by our, I mean, each individual team uh, that they have the opportunity to, to try to, you know, show that they have the best technique of development. And, and it's something that you look at it so many times as parents with our young athletes is as players ourselves, right? We, 
we look in the mirror and we wonder why, why am I not doing the same thing that Johnny might be doing or Jimmy might be doing or whoever else is in our hockey journey. We, we need to realize that we need to work on the things that we need to build all differently. Right. And, and Jim, I go to you here, obviously as somebody who has had such incredible success behind the bench with this Jersey Hitman organization at, at all levels of the game, but you look at it. I mean, if I'm a parent, right. And I'm looking at my, my young athlete, maybe my squirt, maybe, maybe my midget level player. How do I know where my journey's at? Where do I go for that type of insight? And, and, and how do I know I'm trusting the right sources when, when I hear where my kid should be? Well, I, I think, I think the trust, the trust answer is pretty easy. You go to places where there's a track record of the ability to move players from one level to another. Uh, and, and that track record should lead to the trust that you're getting the advice from a reliable source. The, the harder question to answer really is, what is the path? Because every player that's made it, even if it's to the NHL, has taken a very different path to get there. And um, we, we, we're pushing 80 organizations now in our membership, and that's 80 different brands. And those 80 brands all stand for something a little different. And the fact that we have that kind of diversity in our membership, I think, is where the, the confidence for a family should come from to say, well, if my kid's not going to be, uh, and, and certainly uh, to your question, uh, a ten, uh, the parent of a 10-year-old kid shouldn't be worried about how am I getting my kid to Division One college? Um, yep. They should be worried about, is my kid enjoying the game? Am I, am I creating a balance for my young athlete? between school and hockey and other sports and his social life. And, you know, am I, am I raising a healthy kid? Um, th that's what common sense really dictates has to come into, into the decision. Um, so I would say to a parent of a 10 year old, if you sit down with somebody and they're putting pipe dreams of, if you play for me, I'll get you to division one hockey. You should probably run pretty quick because that's not what you should be telling a parent of a 10 year old kid. Exactly. And, and you look at it. I mean, we get so we fall so in love, obviously hockey. I mean, Bob, you called it a labor of love and, and sometimes it's an expense of love, right? It can be an expensive sport. So as we, as we invest our money, as we invest our time, as we invest our mileage, in our minivans around the country, trying to get from rink to rink each weekend, we start to really focus on that end goal. We forget about those steps along the way. Now, Bob, I, I look at this product. I look at this youth level. You're working so hard to put this season together. They get everything up and running. When we talk about those steps along the way, how, how do we, what, what steps do we see? Can you talk through the levels of this, this youth division and kind of, how you would make that move from the USPHL's cradle to college, you know, that cradle to college mantra. How, how do these, what are these players looking to navigate as they come into the USPHL? You know, first off, one of, one of the big things is um, so many players and, and their parents, they, they just lose sight that there's so much hockey out there to be a part of and to be a part of your life that that's what we're trying to do. So we, we, we start right now with nine-year-olds and uh, as far as at the league level now, we, all of our organizations, um, 
in the NCDC level and many in the USBHL have learned to play. So they have kids that are literally stepping on the ice for the first time. And what we're trying to cultivate is a, is a hockey for life type of culture, because not only do we need division one athletes and NHL stars, but we need coaches. We need officials. We need future owners. We need housing parents. We need people that see this culture of hockey, how important it is and, and how much it, it brings to young men and women who, who take part in this game. And it really is special. And that's why I'm doing what I do. I know that's why Jim's doing what, what he does is because this game has given so much to us that uh, we, we love being a part of it. And we want to want to shout from the rooftops that, you know, really instead of, you know, I'm okay with a, a young child saying, Hey, I want to be a pro athlete someday. That's great. But I think of, you know, creating the culture in your household of, Hey, I, I want you to love this game so much or love whatever sport or passion that you have love it so much that you want it to be a part of your life forever. Um, not just when you're, when you're on top, but when you're done playing the game, want to be a part of that game for the, for the rest of your life. And that's what we're trying to really cultivate and, and make sure that these kids understand that there's, there's tremendous division three opportunities. There's tremendous club hockey opportunities that are actually going to be more fulfilling and, and a better fit for a lot of our athletes than division one, even if they have a division one opportunity. So there's, there's so many opportunities, I guess, and I can talk about this all day, but there's just so many opportunities for hockey to be a part of these young people's lives that that's what we're really trying to open them and their parents up to accepting and, and recognizing. Now, uh, Jim, a question for you here, because I feel like you have a perspective for, uh, for some of these youth parents. What do you think has changed the most about youth hockey as you've worked inside of it? Because one of the things that, you know, we're all working with here in, in 2021 is the changing, not just obviously changing hockey landscape, but changing social media landscape, changing recruiting landscape, changing promotional landscape as, as the whole and the whole world shifts perspectives here. What have you seen has been different over the course of your time working in youth hockey? Well, you have, you have a lot of conversations over the years with, with coaches and owners about that very, that very issue. And unfortunately, I think a lot of those coaches and owners are, are looking at it in a, in a more negative light than I do, where they look and they say, well, you know, the, the parents have become demanding and, you know, the, the coaches, uh, you know, word used to mean everything. And now they challenge the coach on everything. And, I think it to me it's a simple evolution. Uh, I tell all our all our parents and our kids the most important question that that a family can ask right now is why, and any club representative that can't answer why why would you want me to do that or why should I do that or why should I consider that um, I wouldn't put a lot of faith in that person because if the answers years ago were because I said so and just do it my way um, that's that's not a healthy uh, relationship, in my opinion. And I think that to answer your question, what's changed, um, there, there's certainly an economic component that drives the whys, and people are making, to Dan's point, a, a, a much larger investment, and they want to know why they should make the investment and what's going to come out of it. And I think if their expectations are unrealistic, that needs to be brought to the table. And I think there are certainly... Uh, 
a percentage of unrealistic expectation families out there. And it's the organization's responsibility to help them because most of them are still first generation hockey families have a, a healthier expectation. And I think we spend a lot of time in our business bemoaning the fact that, that that's what needs to be done rather than embracing it and actually getting it done. For some of these first time hockey families, do you, do you think that there is a, a good set of questions that they can maybe ask without, you know, because you don't, you don't, as a first time hockey family, you know, there's always that fear of coming off too strongly on a coach who maybe even has been in the game for a long time. Is there a set of questions or things that these first time hockey families should be looking for when getting, getting ready to look for a program for their, their skater? Well, I'll, I'll answer that with the old saying, I don't necessarily know the, 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 re, the, the path to success, but I know the path to failure is trying to make everyone happy. I think what happens is the young hockey families, they look at, they, they talk to the parents of maybe the best kid on the team and they say, well, what are you doing with your kid? And they think that that's what they should do with their kid when really they should be seeking out someone who's been through this before. The development process takes an entire decade to go through. So if you haven't been, if you're not talking to somebody who's gone through a 10-year cycle and knows what it takes, what, what a good might squirt peewee Bantam midget junior player looks like at each step of the way, why would you be relying on somebody's opinion that only understands a very small snapshot of the entire picture? Um, and I think, I think that's where the young families make the mistake. So it, it's who you seek out. And then once you seek out the right person, someone who's got the experience of developing a player and doesn't really have any skin in the game, you know, he's just going to tell you or she's going to tell you what makes sense. All the dots should get connected pretty quickly. Now, Bob, shifting a little bit to sort of the current state of, of the youth game, what are some things that you're looking out into the, into the youth game right now and seeing, including any, any trends you're seeing as well, that, that make you really excited for the future of youth hockey? Well, I think, you know, with the USPHL, seeing the junior programs so heavily involved in the youth game and closing that gap is the single largest change slash benefit for the players that are, are these, these young players that are, are coming in. Um, historically, the, the junior leagues in this country were kind of seen as, uh, you know, they kind of just came in and kidnapped uh, the best players out of the youth programs. And, and there was never really that connection from top to bottom, from cradle to college, where, you know, you, you have the ability to, to literally stay in the same organization uh, from your first year in hockey and, and until, until your last year of amateur hockey. And, you know, while, you know, that may be um, a tall order, it doesn't happen a ton because you are going to exercise your freedom and, and look at other programs at different age levels. Um, you know, you're going to have maybe a coach that you like in a different organization, but, but the fact that that divide has been completely closed and that we're having this call and that I have this job that I currently have. And my job is to further improve that relationship and that growth 
is uh, it is just absolutely very, very exciting to me. It's something that I've I've looked at and spoken to for for 30 years about this this disconnect between juniors and youth hockey. And so that to me is just so profound. I could talk about other little rules or equipment advancements here and there, but they would pale in comparison to to this relationship that has been created by the USBHL. Um, it, it is so valuable. I can't even put it into words. And these players are so fortunate to, to have, you know, all these different levels above them that they can, you know, as Jim was just talking about, to have the resource of, and, and when you're making decisions for your kid, to be able to be walking by, you know, when, when you're a, a 13U and you have a 17U parent, that's at the rink with you and also had a son that played juniors and, and to have this wealth of knowledge. And believe me, I'm sure we all know here and would agree that for the most part, hockey parents, they'll talk about their kids and their careers as long as you'll listen. So to, for, for a hockey parent, I always encourage hockey parents, just like Jim did go to somebody who's already been there, who's gone through it and talk to them about it. And we've really created that culture here where it's one-stop shopping for the parent to really get the knowledge they need. And, and that is, uh, I think, going to have a, a really profound effect on, on the United States of America's ability to, to develop this game and, and continue to, to reach new heights. And that mindset, ladies and gentlemen, listening at home, the, the players, all folks tuning in right now, that mindset from the leadership in this USPHL brand, in this organization, in this league from top to bottom, that is what we have fallen in love with as the Dan K Show. It's what we have an opportunity to see on a day in and day out basis. It's not just spoken about, it's lived. And, and it's the idea of working hand in hand and allowing the, the pathway for these young athletes to, to kind of take the speed bumps out of it. Some of the speed bumps we run into, some of you talk about feeling feeling at times as a youth program like back in the day that junior teams were just coming in and stealing players you, you think about that mindset you know you, there's this hand in hand to it all now and Jim I, I turn to you because one of my favorite thought processes over the last couple of years here that that made me feel like I was getting a bit older other than my my creaky knees is the fact that I remember seven years ago <laughs> a picture that I took with Liam McClinsky. When he was but a boy, he was he was about 13 at the time, I believe. We were at the Ice Vault Arena, and he goes, oh, my God, it's Dan Kay. Could we please have a picture together? Next thing you know, we get in the time machine, and he's raising the Deneen Cup with the Jersey Hitmen. He's the player of the year. He's one of the best young hockey players on the planet Earth. As somebody who coaches at the NCDC level, how helpful is it for an organization follow along their path and and how much more insight do you have into a player like a Liam McClinsky at the NCDC level if they come up through the program all the way through from the bottom to the top well it's a, it's a great question I, and I can tell you that that Liam is is one of a handful that from an ownership standpoint our owner is is is, is thrilled when we can take a kid from start to finish like Liam or or Mickey Burns or Alex Whalen have come through the program from the time they were little guys until until the time that they graduate to Division One. Um, and there, for every one of those, obviously, there's a lot of guys that that don't get that opportunity just because it's it's a very competitive game that we're in. 
Um, but Liam's Liam's experience, and, and to answer your question more directly, our ability to help Liam develop or any player develop when they're here for that long uh, gets exponentially easier. So when when a college shows interest in a kid like Liam when he's 15 or 16 years old and he's in our organization, we can guide that college to the strengths and weaknesses of the player. Um, and then once they make a decision to commit to him, we can help that player not just get there, but be an impact player when he gets there. And that's really the biggest challenge. It's like getting drafted, right? You get drafted. It's a far cry from being able to make the league. Well, yep. just because you get a commitment doesn't mean you're going to step in and actually be an impact player, right? So you take a kid like Chase Clark this year, and what we did with Chase was because he was in his draft year, you wanted to push the envelope, try and get him on the draft list, that we were able to do that. And then the next step is to get him committed. And that that happened recently. And even though he's not a kid that was here for a long period of time, the development process still has to take effect for a kid here that's for one year or a kid here that, that that's here for 10 years. It's just a different, you just accelerate it very differently. The biggest challenge though, for the kids that are here from, from cradle to college, as we call it, is that instilling patience with those kids. Everyone is in a, a hurry to get across the wrong finish line. And if, if the end result is you want to be able to play college hockey, the normal player is probably going to be 19 or 20 years old when they enter college. It's the unicorns that are going to get their commitments when they're 16 and 17. We're not filled with a league of unicorns. I tell you what, it would make it more fun to broadcast. It'd be incredible. It'd be majestic. Is what I'd say. <laughs> but, but Bob, I, I look at you. I mean, you, deputy commissioner, you jump in, you take the reins, working through this offseason. I want to know, you know, when throughout this year, what are victories for Bob Maynard, right? What, what's a victory at this youth level? What's a victory in this USPHL brand for you? How do you kind of size those up? And where, where do we find those wins as the year goes on in your mind? Well, it's, uh, that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, and, you know, they're, they're going to come – um, every day I'm hoping, and you know, it, it's very similar. This, this life as a, a, in the front office, is very similar as it was as, as a player, you're, you're going to take a lot of lumps to score that one goal. And, and, uh, those goals are so sweet though. They're, they're worth the bumps and bruises. And so, you know, the, the victories for me are, are in the growth of the game, right? I, I want, you know, I, I want every kid to at least try hockey and, and think about hockey and, and consider it. So with that being said, the, the victories are going to be in, in, you know, creating new programs, whether they're, uh, they're tournaments or events that make the experience for our current players uh, more, more special and more effective, um, as well as uh, new, you know, actual new teams with, with some of our other members helping them create youth teams that, that can self-sustain and, and start to develop their own talent pool locally. And, uh, and then the, those, uh, those little phone calls and emails that can sometimes be few and far between, but you know, when you get them and, and I know Jim and, and Toby over at the Hitman get them a lot, but the, those from the parents that say, Hey, this, this was a great year. We're so happy. You know, my son became a better person this year or a better hockey player or, 
or whatever it may be because of this league and because of this coach, those are the things that, that really, uh, really allow me to look in the mirror each morning and each night and really feel good about what we're doing. Uh, I, I think when those things are important to your organizations, that's what really fuels the, the growth and, and fuels the game getting better and better for these kids. You know, we, we've obviously had the, the, the privilege of having both of these guys on here. And I want to thank you again for, for hopping on with us and talking about a subject I know we're all passionate about. Um, I, I guess my, my last question for you guys is the USPHL has been, has had the, the mantra of cradle to college. And, you know, I, I think for, especially as the hockey landscape opens back up, you know, last year was a, a different kind of year where a couple of leagues weren't playing. The USPHL was this year. Everything is sort of opening back up. Parents have a lot of different things to choose from. Um, and this mantra of cradle to college is I think so central to the idea of what the USPHL does and what you guys have, have talked about from your perspectives, what does cradle to college mean to you and how does it support a player through obviously uh, Jim, you talked about the unicorn, right? That, that stays in, uh, stays in the, the system the whole way through, but how can that cradle to college mentality support a player, not just at the youth level, but maybe at, at any age range when they decide to join up? Well, I think for, for me, the cradle to college mantra reflects our league's commitment to player development. If you're doing the right job in developing the players and to Bob's point, giving them what they need, when they need it, uh, you'll retain those players. And it's in that retention and that development that really, to me, is at the core of what our league stands for. You know, the, the, the banners and the trophies are, are important and they're valuable and, and you want to celebrate them. But really, they become hollow victories if they're, not, if they're not done right. And when I say done right, I mean, if they're not done where there's it's a culmination of the process of developing a player, retaining your player pool um, and and giving the family, the whole family, the kind of hockey experience they deserve. And I, I can jump in there a little bit and I'll, I'll pick on Jimmy and, and the, the hitman. You know, I, I had mentioned earlier in the podcast how it's, it's, you know, even beyond college. And I know for a fact, and I've, I've witnessed some of them, um, you know, Jimmy and, and their coach, uh, Toby Harris, will get calls from players that, are graduated from college, have already gone on and, and played college hockey, and they'll get calls still asking for advice and still looking for that guidance. And I think that's one of the things that, and, and uh, you know, a lot of people forget, and, and we have this conversation with young athletes all the time that, you know, let's say, you know, your, your son is the greatest hockey player that's ever lived the game, and, and he's going to have the greatest NHL career in the history of, of hockey, he's still going to be late thirties, early forties and playing the game is going to be gone. And we all know the, the struggles that, that young men and women deal with these days is greater than it's ever been. And, and athletes, especially when, when they only have that as their identity, it can be very, very difficult. But when you have the type of culture and the type of support that we're cultivating in the USPHL and, and organizations like the Jersey Hitmen, the, these 
these people, when they're, when they become adults and even older adults, they're, they're not alone. And they know they still have that foundation, um, people that they can reach out to that can continue to help develop them as human beings. And it's, it's not just about scoring goals on the ice. And, and once you're done scoring goals for me, then, you know, don't, don't reach out to me. These are lifelong relationships, lifelong guidance, lifelong development. And, uh, you know, that, that's why I'm here. I, I, uh, I have personally gotten guidance and advice and, and worked with so many of the people in this league, even before actually working for the league. That's what really, really uh, drew me here was, was the culture. And I think that that's what we're, we're developing is, is really a, a lifelong, a, a cradle to even beyond the college uh, type of, of relationship and development here in the USBHL. Absolutely love it. I know I bumped into uh, the original Dan K show interviewee, um, the first ever Dan K interview, Mr. Henke, who's now coaching with the Northern Cyclones a bit at the youth level. We're going to have him on a later podcast. And we discussed his pro career, his, his life after the USPHL, after a Deneen Cup championship with Mr. Chris Funky between the pipes for your old squad there, Jim. And it, it's just such, it's such an exciting, it's such an exciting lead to cover. It's such an incredible product to cover, such a, such a growing brand. It's the fastest growing brand in hockey, folks. Social media, news media, on ice, off ice, anywhere you go, this brand is taking over the hockey world at the youth ranks all the way through junior hockey. We head to our parting words. Lucas, we all know you're not very verbose in the close. You have anything to say or you just uh, you're going to be quiet on this one? I don't, I, that's what I figured. That's what I figured. We all know Lucas does not normally have those parting words unless he wins his own show from me by winning an all-star game. We go to Jim Hunt. Coach, we thank you for joining us. I know how busy this time of year is, getting everything ready for the season at every level of the game. Your parting words for the folks at home, do you have anything to, to close things out for? I, look, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about our, our league and, and our brand and, uh, and, and our culture and what we stand for. You guys do a great job. Uh, I'm, I am still waiting for that picture of Lucas carrying your bags. <laughs> For the, for the bet against us in the championship. So um, I want to see that before the season opens. Oh, that's coming up. Lucas will be down here. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be down in Florida together on the golf course next week. And uh, Lucas will be caddied up, ready to go with the clubs in hand. I can promise that. <laughs> Lucas, you ready for that? You, you, you're prepared mentally? I, I've been doing only calf raises and deadlifts in preparation <laughs> for caddying for you, Dan. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what my score is. Hopefully it lives up to the hype. But Bob Mainhart, Deputy Commissioner, uh, we have had an incredible time getting to know you over the first couple couple months of, of this gig, of this of this offseason. Can you give the folks at home one last parting word for them? Absolutely. I, uh, I, I feel this league is, is just getting started. It's, uh, it's, it's a huge operation, but it's really just scratching the surface. And, and I see that every day in the discussions I have. And and I'm really looking forward to uh, my next time when I can can be on your show, and, and hopefully you won't have to have to bring a wily veteran like like Jimmy Hunt to uh, to carry me. Hopefully I'll be uh, strong enough to do it on my own. But don't trust me, Jim. Jim's carrying us. You know what I mean? I yeah. throw him money on the side just to make me look smart. That's what he's here for. <laughs> well, gentlemen, we thank you for joining us. My parting word today: I always close off to to keep in line with our discussion and. The word this week is genuine. 
it's the word genuine. And, and so many times we don't think of genuine in this hockey world. You know, it, it's a business at times. Folks want to want to see that bottom line in the green. And in this USPHL, the word genuine comes to mind to me in every discussion I have, every moment, every day. And two of these gentlemen that joined us today, these genuine gentlemen, they believe in this product and they believe in it because they live it. As I said earlier on the podcast, there are folks behind the scenes right now, the growth, the conversations going on, the work being put in for every current USPHL athlete out there and for every future athlete, head to usphl.com, find out about playing opportunities right after this airs, right after you listen in. This league cares. There's a reason why the NCDC exists. There's a reason why it operates the way it does. There's a reason why it's the fastest growing league on the planet. There's a reason why it's nationwide from San Diego to Southern Florida to Maine, out to Northern California. There's a reason why. And it's because the brand is just doing it right. Find out more about the USPHL at www.usphl.com. We thank the folks at Elite Junior Profiles for always being a proud partner of the Dan K Show. We thank Remastered Sleep, a proud sponsor of the Dan K Show Presents Junior Hockey. You can remaster your sleep. No more snoring. I don't want to listen to Lucas snore anymore on the road. Well, guess what? You don't want to listen to your partner snore or your friend or your billet partner you don't want to listen to him snore, you go to remasteredsleep.com and get your water bottle with the promo code DANKSHOW10 for 10% off at checkout. It works, baby. It's even helped my broadcasting voice. It's all, I'm getting that chick hern going. Havlicek steals the ball. That was going on during, during Hub City last year because I wasn't sleeping until Remastered Sleep came into play. You can find out more about the Dan K Show at the underscore Dan K Show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. USPHL, follow all pages at USPHL, same social media, same bat time, same bat channel, and kshow.com for more. Thanks for watching the most watched show in junior hockey, over 10 million content views in the past 365. That's pretty darn good. When Dan K's on the mic, it's always hockey night.